Good morning, everybody. I was loud too. That was good. Well, I have a lot of books to share with you this morning. Um, a couple of John Eldridge books that we're going to quote from today that I think will be in, illuminating and insightful according to today's passage. But if you would, open your Bibles or open your iPads or your phones or whatever you've got your Bible and turn with me to the verse that we just covered. The verses in John 10 are considered by some to be core truths of the New Testament. And they certainly are core truths for the Four Winds mission here in Spring Hill and uh, a part of the Wind Farm Cafe uh, mission for reaching people with good news, right? Good news about Jesus Christ. But in that process of learning about Scripture and as you begin to explore your faith with Jesus, there is a point where you come, up, come across decisions. There are, there's a point where you're going to bump into things that you need to make a determination. And in doing so, you're going to find that you really long to hear the voice of God. That you don't want to make those decisions on your own that you don't want to continue the pattern maybe in the past of struggling with your own logic and reason to determine God's will for your life. And so you, you begin a process of seeking to hear God's voice. And if you have begun that process and you have got it down, I'll sit down. And I would like for you to come up and share that with us because it's a lifelong struggle for Christians to get to the point where we really can say, I heard God. And that is a process, and I want to emphasize that word about six times today, because it is a, it is a pattern in the, the Old and the New Testament that God, in fact, is constantly talking to us. And yet, we are constantly struggling to hear him. And that was no different in Jesus' time when he was physically on the earth as it is today. So... As we begin this process in John 10, I wanted to try to pick out some type of a video clip that would summarize the challenges that we often face in hearing God's voice. And as Christians, I think we find ourselves wanting to make the best possible choice to actually hear the perfect will and plan for our life. And God sometimes... Uh, has to redeem our choices. And we will agonize and agonize over making the right choice. And that's okay. But I want to encourage us today that sometimes we need to agonize over spending time in God's presence more than we do about finding an answer to our question. And in doing so, God will radically transform the process, whether we made the right choice or not, into something redeemed and beautiful. And that's certainly what he was trying to speak, I believe, to the Pharisees in this particular passage. So if you would roll that clip for me. A little two-minute video. There are two voices you'll hear during our time together. Whether you know it or not, they won't stop speaking. They never stop speaking. One shouts, one whispers 
Isn't it true, when we, when we still ourselves enough to hear, there are multiple voices that speak to us. And in this particular passage in John 10, the Pharisees were actively speaking one thing, but Jesus was actively saying another. And I don't know about you, but it's tempting sometimes to think that the harsher voice is really holy It's not. Because God is whispering to us his love. So let's dig into John 10. I'm a big fan of scripture. There are lots of opinions out there. There are lots of great ideas and there are lots of intriguing concepts. But at the end of the day, the Anglicans and Christians all over the world believe that scripture is really, really the point. Scripture is our sandbox. It's where we go to to find out what we believe. And so we want to be good students of Scripture. So let's dig into John 10 here. At that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. That's verse 22. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. So let's set this up. Let's look at this, this text from the perspective of history. The Feast of Dedication, I found out, is actually a time where the Jews were celebrating the last great victory they had. It happened around 165 to 170 B.C., and it was a, a victory that they overthrew their oppressors, so they were freed from captivity. And they celebrated that with a festival of lights, which we have a name for today. 
it's a, it's a relatively interesting coincidence, don't you think, that Jesus starts speaking on a festival that celebrates their freedom from captivity, and the Pharisees themselves can't help themselves. I mean, we've read from, from all the Gospels, in, in Matthew and Mark, Luke and now John, you see this pattern of the Pharisees constantly jabbing at Jesus. They're constantly trying to trap him. They're trying to entangle him and find some flaw in his logic or teaching that would allow them to sort of erase what he's saying and minimize him as a spiritual leader that is emerging in Israel. And, now, and today is no different as you're looking at John 10. What's interesting is that John 10, verses 22 through 30, are following in the exact same thought process as the first 20 verses of John 10. And you really should take a look at that if you want to understand the full context of the scripture, but I'm going to summarize really fast. Essentially, Jesus is still talking about being a shepherd. And the last time I talked with you, we talked about the shepherd's heart. We talked about the heart of God as he reached out for the broken hearts of man and Thomas and in Saul, who became Paul, and in Peter at the side of of the Sea of Galilee. And so we see that Jesus is the good shepherd. We see that he has the heart of a good shepherd that's reaching out for our broken hearts. And today we're actually going to find out about the voice of that shepherd. And we're going to learn, hopefully, some principles about how we can hear that voice and be confident that that was God and not some other voice. As Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, they are trying to trap him in a concept that he is claiming to be something that he's not. And they're asking him, are you the Messiah? And he gives them a very interesting response. And he says, I told you, and you didn't believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. And here's the key, and this is the verse we're going to linger on for the next few minutes. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Evidently, it's going to be very important for us if we're going to follow this Messiah to hear his voice. And there are going to be a lot of voices. There are going to be a lot of opinions. And it's going to be critical that if we're going to be able to follow our shepherd, that we learn how to hear his voice. If I was going to do a kid's sermon, which we don't have time for this morning, I would, I would probably illustrate it like this. Have you ever had a, a pet and someone else tried to call your dog? What happens? The dog doesn't come, does it? It's not, it's not their dog. In fact, you might run away. Like, you might actually go the opposite direction. So that's pretty simple for us as kids to understand that when you have your own pet, it's going to be loyal to you. And it's going to know your voice. In the same way, Jesus is saying, if you know me as Messiah, you're going to recognize my voice above and distinct from the others. If we cannot hear God's voice, we are lost. We're lost. I'm speaking to Christians today, not just the general public. This verse and these thoughts were written and spoken specifically to Christian believers of the time. 
And Jesus is making a very definitive statement that links the concept of him being Messiah with their ability to hear his voice. I think that's easy to see. Jesus is saying, unless you have submitted yourself to the authority of me as God, unless you're in a relationship with me where you are trusting me, you're going to have a very difficult time discerning his voice. That's true whether you've never met Jesus or if you've been with him your whole life. If there is a point in your life where you have stepped back from that truth of Jesus as Messiah, if you step back and said, I really insist on getting what I want, you're going to have a very difficult time hearing his voice. His voice will only ring very clear when you are willing to approach him as he is and not as you would like him to be. And so the Pharisees were confused. They didn't know who he was. And so he made this statement. So here's where we're going. Can you really hear God? Can we really truly hear God's voice? What does that mean? Does that mean we're all schizophrenic if we hear another voice in our head? Some would say that's true. Does that mean that there's going to be a cloud that parts and we're going to have a supernatural experience where we hear God in a deep baritone speaking out? It's possible. It's not likely. I'm here to say definitively with confidence that you can hear God's voice. And you can hear it in a way that it's unmistakable. And not only can you hear God's voice, but you must hear God's voice. Many of us have made the mistake of trusting in pastors or teachers or leaders of the church to be the voice of God for us. And sometimes pastors and leaders and teachers can, in fact, hear God's voice for a community or for a specific fellowship. But in the end, if you're not hearing God's voice for yourself, you're missing out on the biggest part of what God promised his followers. A pastor's role should be to help confirm and clarify what God has spoken to you, not to hear him for you. That's very important. A pastor's role is to help confirm and clarify what God has spoken to you, not to hear God for you. If you're relying on a man to hear God's voice, you're going to ultimately get very disappointed. And, and really, you're not going to exercise this very vital relationship that you have with God. Because you are not only capable of hearing God's voice, but you really, really need to hear his voice. Because life is crazy. All of us know that, right? Life isn't always going to make sense. For those people in Alabama this morning, please pray for them. I drove through North Georgia on my way to Atlanta a few days ago for a a youth conference. It's devastation. It looks like an entire town was wiped off the map because it was. I cannot explain that. I cannot say to the people of Tuscaloosa definitively why that happened. But I can say that God is speaking to them. That God is in the midst of that disaster. And that it is essential for us 
to learn to hear God's voice so that when the tornadoes of life come, we are certain that we know what we've heard. Otherwise, we're blown away. I work in, in uh, Christian media during, during the week. Uh, that's my day job. And in Christian media, it's becoming clear that our youth are being barraged with messages of identity that are false. From what they see on TV to what they read, they're being told that they're only valuable if they're pretty. They're only important if they're successful. They're only going to be happy if they have the things they see. Those messages are competing with the voice of God. Those messages will take over if we're not careful. So as parents, not only do we have to hear the voice of God for ourselves, but we have to hear the voice of God for our kids. If you're a boss or a manager or a project supervisor, you have to hear God's voice for what you're doing if you're a Christian and you're bringing your faith to work. If you're a pastor, you must be able to discern God's voice for your, your parish or for your flock. That's why we pray for the president, that he would be able to hear God's voice for our nation. God is speaking all the time in all kinds of ways. If you read the scriptures, he talks through donkeys sometimes. <laughs> that must have been really frightening. Um, there was this guy, Balaam, who uh, he wasn't terribly sensitive to God's voice. But anyway, God had to stop him and, and speak to him, and that's a whole other story. But it is humorous when you think about it. I want to quote my first quote from John Eldridge in his book, Waking the Dead. We begin by assuming that God is still speaking. There's more that Jesus wants to say to us, much more. And as Christians, now that his spirit resides in your heart, the conversation can continue. Many good people never heard God speak to them personally for the simple fact that they've never been told that he does. But he does, generously, intimately. He who belongs to God hears what God says. John 8, verse 47. God wants to speak to you. He wants to lead you to good pasture. This doesn't happen in an instant. Walking with God is a way of life. It's something to be learned. And our ability to hear God's voice and discern his word grows over time as we practice the presence of God. Isn't that a great quote? Check it out. John Eldridge is one of the one of the real influences on Brian and myself as, as uh, Four Winds was evolving. And as really a father in the faith to me personally, it was one of the first books that I read was Wild at Heart by John Eldridge after I got saved about 10 years ago. John Eldridge is a man, and his opinions are excellent, but they're not equivalent to Scripture. I read that quote within the context of saying that that is a wise counsel, and I believe that it is backed up by Scripture, not because one man has an intimate insight into all the ways of God. So let's look at some verses. Let's see if John's crazy. First Chronicles 
And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart, with a willing mind, for God searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Did you hear that? If you seek him, he will be found. Some of us feel like we've been seeking to hear God's voice for a long time. And we just can't. There have been periods in my life where I just felt like I was talking to this wall or to the ceiling. Where are you, God? When will you answer me? If you need illustrations of that, read the book of Psalms. King David said that at least 90 times. You're not alone. But rest in the confidence of Scripture. Because King David said this to his son Solomon. So after all those Psalms were written, David believed that God does answer. Let's look in Deuteronomy 4.29. Let's see if John Eldridge is still crazy. Deuteronomy 4, verse 29. But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him. If you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. Hearing God's voice is not a tragedy or a divine comedy. It's a promised reality. You can hear God's voice. He wants to be found by you. You know, it's interesting how connected we are with each other with smartphones and Twitter and Facebook, social networking. We're incredibly interconnected now. We can communicate with everyone in a moment. (laughs) But it's hard for us to pray. It's hard for us to take that time to dial up God. (laughs) It is for me. But it's that instantaneous. See, God's promise is that if we seek him, he will be found. We don't have any trouble with that concept when we pull out our phones and we hit auto-dial. We get that. We understand how that works. But it actually works that way spiritually as well. You have the ability to dial up your good shepherd at any time. It doesn't have to be at some special moment in the morning or the evening. It can actually be in the shower. It can be on your commute. It can be in that closet at work that you hide in when everything got too heavy and you couldn't take it anymore. I want you to dial up God. Find your good shepherd. See what he has to say for you today. He is available. The only criteria is that you have to be authentic in seeking him. We have to approach God with a pure heart. What does that mean? I think it means that we have to be sincere. How many of us have seen an infomercial? There's some doozies out there, aren't there? I still think that the... Is it ShamWow? Is that... That one's nuts. Uh, and the Benderoos, I think, is my favorite. Um, I mean, somebody had a boatload of things that they didn't know what to do with, and they made up Benderoos to sell them. But at the end of the day, I think we can often think of speaking with God as sort of like a formula. If I pray to God, then he will. And you can kind of fill in the blank, right? 
Maybe no one else does this, but I, I do that occasionally. I, I sort of make a deal with God. And the deal is that if I pray to you and if I honor you and if I do these things, then you're going to bless me. And I've already filled in, my, in the blank in my mind about how that blessing's going to come. Like, well, if I do this, then that'll take care of that tax bill or that'll take care of my kid's college tuition or that'll take care of those tires, right? I mean, you, you sort of fit this stuff into our lives on our own terms. And that's not at all how this works. Jesus was speaking to a group of very religious people in John chapter 10. He was speaking to them and he was saying, you missed it. You're not seeing who I am because you have an agenda. Not only have you denied me as Messiah, but you also have an agenda. And so every time you're approaching me, you're approaching it with an an outcome in mind. Working in Christian music and media for over a decade, I can tell you that it's a common experience to have a Christian artist come to us and ask for a record deal. Very common. And in doing that, they're convinced that they've heard God's voice and that God has told them to become a minister of music. And they very well may have. But they've already filled in the blank on how that should look. They've determined that if you're going to be a music ministry, that you need a record deal. And that if you're going to be successful and reach millions of people, that you have to have a large platform. And that means a radio hit and a music video and a tour. And they've already filled in these blanks. So when they approach God with prayer, they're having a really hard time in discerning his voice because they've already sort of laid it out. And they're inviting God to come in and make that happen. Do you see what I'm saying? That doesn't work. So there has to be sincerity. There are no formulas that allow us to manipulate God. Prayer is not a pathway to prosperity. It is not a pathway to getting ultimately a preferred outcome. It is a way to align yourself with God's will. And when you do that, nothing is impossible. Nothing. There isn't a single thing that can stop us. And it's so hard to get rid of our stuff and get over here and actually recognize, submit him as our Messiah, and then say, okay, with with no agenda, Lord, I need to hear your voice. We have to consciously do that. And so Jesus himself taught us how to pray, didn't he? Do any of you kids still remember the Lord's Prayer? How's it start? Our Father, come on, you guys are doing good. Hallelujah. Thy kingdom come. Oh, you guys are doing good. Come on. Thank you, Jeremy. Thy will be done, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. If you're having trouble hearing God's voice, you may be trying to insert your will. It doesn't work. You're going to have to lay that down. And you're going to have to listen and pray openly, Lord, I lay this down. Your will is what I want. 
That's the only way I know to do this, if you want to hear his voice. Now, the second thing that gets really important in hearing God's voice is, is getting slowed down enough. Is anybody here pretty busy? I mean, there's lots going on, right? Lots. We've got kids, and we've got families, and we've got work, and we have charities that we, we do. We've got Little League, and we've got travel, and we've got family that live out of town, and we have birthdays, and we have relationships that need nurtured. And, and we get moving pretty fast. And I've heard people say that, well, they, they quote the passage in the Old Testament about the prophet Elijah who went to the rock. God called him to the rock, and, and it says he came, there was a storm, and there was fire, and there was an earthquake, and there was a wind, and God wasn't in any of those things, but he came in what? A still, small voice, right? You can't hear that kind of a voice when you're going 70 miles an hour. Not only do you need to slow down, you need to stop. Stop. You're having trouble discerning God's voice in your life. You may just be doing too much. You may need to actually stop. For some of us, that could mean uh, shutting off a TV or not logging on to your computer for a day, maybe a couple of days. It could mean that you need to go away for a few days. I don't know. But slowing down is great. Stopping is really good. Stopping is that moment where we block out all the distractions, where we say, I really need to hear God's voice. I need to hear the voice of my good shepherd. And so I'm just going to put some things on hold so that I can do that. You guys know what I'm talking about? Wow, I hope we're still here. Has anybody ever heard about our famous road trips? Has anybody ever heard about the famous Brian Harden and Brad Mathias road trips? They're legendary because they're real. I mean, they happen. We do them too often probably for our wives. But in all seriousness, they came from a time of great desperation in our lives. We were working for a company in 2004 that went bankrupt. And we, we knew that we had heard God's voice. We knew that God had told us to do what we were doing in the music business. And yet, the wheels came off. We went bankrupt. We lost our jobs. And we had invested everything, financially, physically, emotionally, spiritually. We'd given it all. And it seems like it had been a totally foolish decision. Are we back on? All right. And so I went to Brian, I said, bro, we, we were friends, but not the comrades we are today. I said, I need to read the word more. 
and I've got to drive to, uh, to Arkansas to meet with Walmart. Would you ride with me? And so we did. And I had just gotten a one-year Bible. And he read to me out of the one-year Bible. Because you can't read while you're driving. At least you're not supposed to. And he read each day that we did this trip. It was only three or four days. It became our first road trip. And in that three or four days, I heard God. Because I was getting an exposure to the Word in a regular dose that I hadn't really been getting because of the stress of the job. It was 18 hours a day trying to keep this company from going under, and it went under. And so in that moment, we road tripped to Walmart. And we got back in the Word. And from that, our lives were sparked. Something happened. We heard God's voice, and God said, stay where you are. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how bad it is. I don't care. I don't care. I have a plan here. And I needed to know that with three kids and a mortgage. I needed to know that I wasn't completely crazy. I needed to know that God still had my back. Brian and I go on road trips at least twice a year. We've done that now for almost eight years. Why? Because I can't hear God's voice all the time in my normal schedule. I have to get away. I have to get quiet. I have to get still. And I have to be intentional about hearing it. There are just times when you have to do that. And men, as you leave your homes, you've got you've to take that time. And I don't know if it's a road trip or just a night out at a, at a nearby campground or a long drive by yourself with, with the radio off. But there has to be an intentional seeking. And there has to be a sincere willingness to hear whatever it is that your master has to say. When that happens in your heart, we've already read the scriptures, you're going to hear his voice. And that voice is going to be like the one we we saw on the monitor in that video. It is not going to smash you. It is not going to pummel you. It is going to embrace you with the love of God. It is going to touch that spot that needs to be touched. And God is going to speak to you in a way that is eternally significant. He will connect the dots. There's two parts to the sermon. We're going to stop right there. But let's go back to John 10. Let's follow the thought thought all the way home. Verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And I and the Father are one. Guys, here's the deal. When you take the time to hear God's voice for yourself, 
He gives you eternal life. This is really important. Eternal life is certainly the hereafter, but that's not, I don't believe, what he's referring to right that second. I believe Jesus is saying, you can live your life in a way that is heaven on earth. You can live your life in the promise of shalom, of peace, of confidence. That you don't have to wait until some moment after you're dead to actually experience joy and happiness and fulfillment. You can actually live that now. But you can't live that way if you're trying to make decisions and choices based only on what you can see and touch and feel. You're going to have to step out. You're going to have to take that moment and say, Lord, speak to me. I need to know. My family needs to know. Do we live here or do we move? Do we fellowship here or do we go somewhere else? Do I invest my time in this? Is this the right job for me? Is this healthy for my daughter? We've got to get good at this, guys. We've got to really exercise this skill of hearing God's voice. Because in that is the promise of eternal life. And it's for now. It's not for some long-waited moment in eternity. I believe he's saying it's for us now. Let's throw some verses at this and then we'll close. Otherwise, it was just Brad's opinion. Psalm 95, verses 6 through 11. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for He is God. And we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah when you put your fathers to the test. For 40 years, I loathed that generation and said, they are people who go astray in their heart. And they have not known my ways, and therefore I swore in my wrath, they will not enter my rest. Do you see the connection here, the warning? If you're not willing to know God, you're not going to hear him. And if you're not hearing him, you're not going to get to that promised rest in your life. You're going to live violently, emotionally out of control, unstable, unanchored. Paul said, you'd be tossed to and fro by every wind and every reason of doctrine. There's nothing to hold you down. This is critical. If you want to live more than a roller coaster life, this is the stuff. Proverbs 1, 33, For whoever listens to me will dwell secure and be at ease without dread of disaster. Proverbs 4, 18 to 23, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. My son, be attentive to my words and incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. If you want to hear God's voice, you need to become familiar with the Bible because it's the Word of God. It's more than a figure of speech. I could tell you hundreds of stories of disastrous near mistakes that I almost made 
that were saved because I took the time to take a moment and read my daily reading. And when I did that, I suddenly had perspective for something that was coming an hour later that day. Or I was warned not to overreact, to walk in peace and compromise. And immediately I walked into a situation where my flesh, I would have blown up. I'm just not smart enough to figure out my day. But I know someone who is. And I have determined that I'm going to live my life by listening for his voice and not my own. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, our good shepherd, our master, we lay down our stuff, our predetermined ways that you're going to meet our needs, our insistence on approaching you on our terms and in our way. We repent of our too busy schedules for you. And we ask that you will Speak to us clearly, lovingly, significantly in our need. That you will direct our paths, that you will lead us to good pasture, that we can live in the eternal life now, right now, and that we can become all that you asked us to be that we can go on mission to the four corners of this earth because we're able to hear your voice and act upon it. In Jesus' name, amen.